I want to talk to you today about a, a subject that is very prevalent in our minds. We see it everywhere today. I received a call yesterday afternoon that was very similar to many calls that I receive. They were asking me in this phone call, Pastor, I don't understand what's wrong with people. <laughs> they said, how can, can, can our nation be accepting the things that are going on? How can people see these things and think they're okay? They went on and, and proceeded to tell me that they didn't understand how that that our nation could, could craft a bill and try to pass a bill that would allow a five-year-old to decide to change their sex and that their parents wouldn't have any say in it and that they could go to the doctor and the doctor wouldn't have any say in it. The doctor would have to do whatever the five-year-old desired to do. They went on and they said, I don't understand how that that our government is passing laws where boys can say they want to be a girl and go into the women's locker room or the women's restroom. I don't understand that. And they, they continued and said, you know, they want to let a, a high school boy participate in the girls' sports. I don't understand that. And they went on and on and you could, you could just hear the frustration and the, they couldn't comprehend how anybody could see things that way. And I want to address that today. I'd already been working on this message when I received that phone call yesterday. I'd actually finished my message already. And it was interesting to me how that this phone call fit right in with what the Lord laid on my heart. So let's look at John chapter or 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6, verses 1 through 6. The answer to that question that I was being asked is the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. And God's Word talks about that, and we need to understand that. So read along with me, verse 1, if you will. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now this verse 4, all of us have heard this, and we love to quote this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. Amen. Let's read that together. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. Verse 5. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth 
and the spirit of error. We live in a day when this is so evident. It's evident in our culture. It's evident on the news. It's evident everywhere we turn. We can see the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And God's Word talks about that and He teaches us. And I want us to take hold of this truth tonight because we're living in a time when we can easily be deceived. And God warns us of that. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to read it later, but He warned us of that. Do not be deceived. And so we live in a world that is aligned with the spirit of error, and the spirit of error is influencing their lives and what they're doing. And yet we are the children of God, and we are aligned with the spirit of truth, and we see God's truth, we understand God's truth, and we want to tell the world, I know the truth and His name is Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Now it's interesting in this passage, I want you to note something. In this passage, several times, John uses this phrase, by this we know. Everybody say that with me. By this we know. And you can look in uh, verse 16 of the third chapter, just right before the chapter we, let, we read. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he starts off, by this we know love. Do you know that you love today? You should. Look at verse 19. He uses the same phrase. And by this we know that we are of the truth. In verse 24, he says, And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Then in chapter 4, again, verse 2, By this we know the Spirit of God. And then in verse 6, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And then in verse 13, we didn't read this one, by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. What I want you to see, church, is that a life in Christ is a life of assurance, Paul, I mean, uh, John is saying here over and over again, by this we know. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you're never going to be attacked with doubt or, or misunderstanding. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There are times in our lives when we're, we're struggling and we don't know how long we're going to be able to hang on. But church, there are things that God has told us. There's evidence in Scripture of things that we know with a certainty. Amen? The life that we live in Christ is a life that's certain. Amen? It's not a life where we're being tossed to and fro and we, we're constantly doubting this or that. There are things that God has given us in Scripture, and one of those things, we just read it, it's love. I know that God loves me. How about you? Amen? And I know that God loves you. There's no doubt. That's never going to change. God is a God of love. And God loves me. And He loves you. In fact, John begins this, this chapter 4, with the word beloved. You're loved. You're loved. Turn to somebody and tell them today, you are loved by God. 
So our life should reflect the quality of truth that's in our lives. We know it's absolute. We know the truth is certain. Now the Bible teaches us there are certain things that we know to be true. One of those things we just mentioned, love. But we can go through those other scriptures. Verse 19, we talked about it in chapter 3. By this we know that we are of the truth. Do you know that you are of the truth today? That's why it's so frustrating for us when we see these things taking place, when we have some of our government leaders that stand up and say such ridiculous things like, this Congress doesn't care about what God's will is. They, they say ridiculous things and we go, what is wrong with you? It's because they're aligned with the spirit of error and we're aligned with the spirit of truth. It's evident to us, there is a God. He blessed our nation. Our nation wouldn't be here except for the intervention of God. We recognize that. If you study it in history, it is very evident. Amen? So we see the truth, but there are those that don't see the truth. In our culture today, they say, well, truth is whatever you think truth is. You can have your truth and I'll have my truth. Truth is relative. That's not true. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. His spirit is truth. Amen. We know the truth. We experience it. In verse 6 again of chapter 4 of 1 John, let's look at it again. We are of God who, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. Did you hear that? People were trying to say, what's wrong with you? Why can't you see this is wrong? They don't hear that. It's not connecting with them. By this, we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we recognize what is truth and what is error. Some people don't. Some people have no clue. And it's up to us to share the truth. In verse 16 of chapter 3 in 1 John, he talks again about love. By this we know love. And then listen to what else he says. Because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The reason that we know love is because we look at the cross. We look at Calvary. We look at God loving us so much that he sent his son. And what Jesus went through, the, the stripes on his back, the crown of thorns, his beard being plucked. He was beaten. He had to carry the cross. He was nailed to the cross. There was a spear that went in his side. All that he went through says, God loves us. Amen. God loves us so much that his son went through that for us. And if we love the world, we're going to have that same love for our brother. That we're willing to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, everybody say whosoever. 
Are you included in that? Yes. Thank God. Amen. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's everlasting life? That's going to be with Jesus. That's the glory of heaven. What does perish mean? It means total separation from God in an eternity of a lake of fire. We don't like to think about those things. And people deny those things. I don't believe those things. It's because they, they're listening to the spirit of error instead of the spirit of truth. In, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, I want you to see this. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Church, when you know you're right with God, you know you're right with God. Amen? He has cleansed me. I am restored. I am changed. I am not the same person I was. Amen? And, and I am in Christ. He abides in me and I abide in Him. And in this passage, in verse 19, it's referring to verse 18 where it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. How is the world going to know that we really love them in Jesus? It's not simply because we stand on a street corner and shout or, or preach or read the Bible. It's not just with the words that we speak, church. It's with the way that we live our lives. It just said that we know that we're living in the truth, that the world will know and that God loves them when they see us living out the gospel, living out the truth. How many want to live out the truth? Amen. Jesus came to this earth and He took on flesh. To walk among mankind that mankind may be redeemed and transformed. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. So anything that takes away from God manifesting His love towards us in sending His Son and His Son coming to this world in human form as a babe born in a manger. Anything that takes away from that is not God. We hear it all the time today. We hear people talk about, well, Jesus may have lived or may not. We don't know, they'll say. They'll say things like, well, he was a, a good person and he had a lot of good things to say. He, had a, he, he was a, maybe a prophet, maybe a teacher, a good guy. But when it comes to the fact that you say he was the son of the living God manifest in this world that you might be redeemed, they back up, whoa, I don't know about that. And the Spirit of truth tells us, church, it tells us that Jesus is truth. Are you thankful for that? And when He enters our lives, He enters every aspect of our being. We're, we're told that we are in the Scripture that we're spirit, we're soul, and we're body. And Jesus came to bring healing to spirit, soul, and body. 
Are you with me? Amen. Amen. That's why we preach divine healing. And I want to give you a little testimony that just blessed me so much. Uh, A week ago, I received a phone call from a mother who was very upset because her little boy that was five years old, four or five years old, was very, very ill. And he had uh, tonsillitis and they removed his tonsils and he had an infection and he wasn't getting better. And she called and she, she was in tears and she said, I want you to pray for him. And I said, sure, I'll put him on our prayer chain right now. And then I asked her, would you like for me to come over to the house and anoint him with oil and pray, pray for him? And she said, oh, that would be wonderful. So it was in the middle of the day and there wasn't, everybody was doing different things and I grabbed James and I said, James, you're going with me. So James jumped in the truck with me and we went to the house and we went in and there's a little boy there and we prayed for him, anointed him with oil. By the way, the Bible tells us to do that in James chapter 5. In uh, chapter 5 of James verse 14, it says, Is any among among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I came into the house and I read that passage of Scripture. I anointed the little boy with oil. I had James pray and I prayed for him. And then the mother said, thank you. And then she said, this has just been overwhelming for me. She said, not only is is my son sick, but she said, also my husband has cancer. And I said, well, is it okay if we pray for him? And she said, She looked over at him and said, yes, that'd be great. So we went over and James and I anointed him and we began to pray for him. And then then we said, if you need anything, let us know. We're going to continue to pray. I can know that I continue to pray. Our intercessors were praying. And so about three days went by and or two two or three days went by and I thought, how are they doing? So I sent her a text and I said, how are you doing? How's the little boy doing? And she sent me a text back and she said, well, that night we we were able to get to hold of the doctor. He called us back and he wanted us to come into the hospital. We took the little boy into the hospital. They did the test to see if there was infection in his body. And she said, there was no infection in his body. She said, She said, they just gave him some fluids and sent us home. And then she said, and my husband went back to the doctor as well. She said, the doctors were doing some more tests on him to try to find out what they could do. And she said, every test they did came back. He had no cancer in his body. That's the truth of the Word of God. 
we came in and we read God's word and we stood upon it and, and we trusted in it. And God miraculously met the needs of that family. It wasn't me, it wasn't James, it wasn't our intercessors, it was Jesus. That's why, church, we need to take the truth because people need the truth. Amen, they need to know He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still a God that works miracles. He's still a God that answers prayers. And so, church, we need to rise up in the spirit of truth and take it to the world. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's the Holy Spirit. He says, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's truth. That's what we trust in. That's what we stand on. Back in 1 John in chapter 4, uh, verse 5 and 6. We read it several times already, but I want to read it again. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. Who, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. It is so powerful. We need to understand that. The world struggles to hear us because they're aligned with the spirit of error. We're aligned with the spirit of truth and we hear one another, we encourage one another, we bless one another, amen? We speak the truth to one another, we speak God's word, we teach God's word, we preach God's word. In this passage we just read, there's two sides that we see. And first of all, I want you to note, it is a spirit. Did you hear that? It is a spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And it's the spirit of error. There's a line drawn, a distinction. In Romans chapter 7, verse for Paul said to him who has raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. So when we know the truth, the truth has set us free, we are to bear fruit. How many want to be a fruit bearer? God calls us to. Where we don't just speak the truth, but we act out the truth. We live the truth. The deeds that we do, people can look at our lives and say, hey, there's something different about you. Amen? I want to be one of those peculiar people. I'm not talking about a weirdo. But I want to be peculiar. I want people to say there's something different about that guy. And I want to share the truth, but I want to live the truth. I want to walk it out in my daily life so that it impacts the people around me. Jesus said in Matthew 7, He said, You will know them by their fruits. I want to be a fruit bearer. In this passage, though, I want you to notice, there's the spirit of error, the spirit of truth. 
And it's more than just a philosophy in their mind. It's more than speaking uh, on, in a speech that philosophy. It's more than writing in a book and having it published. There is a spirit behind it. Are you with me? So the, the, the philosophy of the world is, is an error. It's an error from the Word of God. And it is influence. We wonder why people get up and say stupid things. And I said that. Excuse me if that offended you. But there's a lot of people and they're saying a lot of stupid things. Because they're aligned with the spirit of the world instead of the spirit of truth. But God will enable us to understand the spirit of truth and to recognize the spirit of error. Amen? And that's what we need. We need to understand that. That there's two uh, spirits there. and it, one, one is a human spirit. When the spirit of error. I want us to understand this. You can be spiritually in error and not be satanically influenced necessarily. It's just your human spirit that isn't aligned with God's spirit. Are you with me? In other words, I know people that, that have good ideas, but they fall short. In other words, I, there may be people that they, they want to they reach out and help the poor. They want to give money. They want to uh, you know, go out on, on trips and, and uh, join the Peace Corps and serve and help people in other countries. Those are great things. But if they don't tell them about Jesus, they fall short. Are you with me? This happened to me years ago when, when we were in Kodiak. Melinda and I were in the, in the girls' home there. And we had six teenage girls that were living in the home with us, and they were taken into state's custody. And it, and it was the Kodiak Baptist Mission is where we were working. And I got frustrated because they, they had a, horses and they spent money on these horses and they, they said it helped the kids and I, I had no problem with that. They had, they'd take them to the gym, they'd play basketball, they'd do all these activities. They had a, a beautiful home for them, nice furniture, nice bedrooms for all of them. But one of, the, one of the senior people in the organization came to me and started talking to me one day we were fairly new there, and he said, well, what do you think about the mission and, and, and our ministry here? And I said, it falls short. And he looked at me, and he was kind of taken back, and he said, what good does it do us to take kids and to teach them how to take care of horses or to ride horses while we never mention Jesus and they go to hell? So it was in human wisdom that they began to take money from the government to, to subsidize their program. And when they did that, the government told them, you can't talk about Jesus. So they stopped talking about Jesus. They were ministering to the girls and the boys' needs physically. And they would take them to counselors that would try to help them emotionally. They got them out of bad situations in their home. But without Jesus, they are never introduced to the truth that will transform their hearts and lives. 
So church, we have to be more than just words. We have to be those that, that walk it out, that live it before everyone, that the people know that Jesus is the truth. I've got just a few more scriptures and we'll close. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, I love this. I want you to, if you know, if you ever heard me say this is one of my favorite verses, I say that about so many verses. But this is truly one of my favorite verses, and I want you to take hold of it. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Church, I know that I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I know that I'm not the greatest pastor in the world. But I know without a doubt, when the Spirit of God fills this place and He begins to move and touch your hearts, that He can transform your heart and life. Amen? I know that when I'm surrendered to Him, it's, it's not my ability, but God gives me, equips me and enables me to preach and to teach and to do what He's called me to do. And He's greater than all my shortcomings. He's greater than all my failures and, and the things that I can't do. God's able to touch you even when I can't preach a lick. That's why every Sunday, every time I get in the pulpit, I pray this scripture for myself. Lord, I don't want people to just hear words of human wisdom. I want people to encounter the Christ of the cross. Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, who is spirit and truth. Amen. In John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he speaks about Satan. Listen to what he says. You are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The things we see are lies because the people are aligned in the spirit of error and they do not realize it. Church, it's not for us to condemn them, to persecute them, to say how ignorant can you be to believe that? How can you promote these bills or promote this philosophy. It's our duty to say, Lord Jesus, get them. Amen. Spirit of God, get them. Whatever it takes, Lord, lift that, that veil of blindness from their eyes. And Lord, let them have a road of Damascus experience with you. Let them encounter the truth of the living God and see them set free. Set them free, Jesus, set them free. Lord, let our nation be set free. Amen. Let the spirit of truth prevail in the United States of America once again.
We recognize the spirit of error. But we have to go and let the spirit of truth that's in us touch their hearts and lives. Transform them. Make a difference in them. You're a spiritual person. And one of those two spirits, the spirit of error, which is the spirit of human, the human spirit or the spirit of the devil, are going to rule your life or the spirit of God. Bob Dylan wrote a song years ago, years and go, years and go when I was a, I was a baby. He said, you're going to serve somebody. And that's what he was talking about. We're going to serve somebody. We're going to either serve the humanist idea that humans are God, or we're going to serve the enemy, or we're going to serve the Creator and the Savior of mankind. The Spirit of truth approaches the world that is aligned with the spirit of error and it tries to bring people convincing them of the truth. That's where we need to pray. That's where we need to walk it out in front of them. That's where we need to speak the truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And some people will push away and reject the, the, the drawing of the Holy Spirit and they'll continue to just push away and push away at the Spirit of God. And that conviction that's coming upon them. But there are those, when they're convicted, that they'll say yes and welcome the Spirit of truth into their lives and they will be redeemed and transformed. That's why John said in the very first verse, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I want to end with some verses that Jesus said in Matthew 24. When the disciples came to Him and said, Lord, what's going to be the sign of Your returning? What's going to be the, the last days? He's talking about the last days. And He goes through a lot of list of things. But there's three things that He says all talking about deception. In verse 4 of Matthew 24, he says, Take heed that no one deceives you. In verse 11, he says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And in verse 24, he says, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now that's an interesting verse. All of those talk about deception. The spirit of error will still try to come against us even though the spirit of truth abides in us. He'll try to lie to us and distort the way we think. That's why we must abide in the truth. That's why we, we trust in the Word of God. This is spirit. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and life. Church, this is not just a book. It is spirit and it is truth. Amen? 
It is precious. It is, it is something that you should cherish. There are so many people around the world that do not have the Word of God in their own language or they do not own and possess the Word of God. You and I probably have multiple Bibles in our homes. And I want to ask you, how much time do we spend in the truth? Because when we know the truth, we won't succumb to error. Are you with me? That's important because even pastors can misspeak or say something that isn't correct. And uh, you need to know the truth. I had one, uh, Ardell told me something that I, I clung to. She said, my pastor used to tell me this. He said, if, if we've got someone and they're speaking and, and there's something that you don't quite understand or agree, then it's just like eating salmon. You spit out the bones. And when you know the truth, amen, when you know the truth, you don't have to worry about being caught up in error. Amen? So we're people of the truth. And the truth has set us free. The truth is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except by me. Amen? It's not that we're trying to to be not tolerable. Jesus is the one who said it. It's his word. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. When you know the truth, you're not going to compromise. Today, people say, oh, all religions are the same. I had somebody tell me that several years ago. Well, I've studied different religions, and I think they're all the same. They kind of tell you, be good, and it'll be okay. And I looked at him. I said, what? They're not the same, church. And we need the truth, and Jesus is the truth. His Word is the truth. His Holy Spirit abiding in us is the truth. And He leads us into all truth. Amen. And the truth has set us free. Amen. And John says, greater is He who's in us than He who's in the world. Amen. The truth in us, Jesus in us, His Spirit in us is greater than anything we're going to face in the world. Amen. How many love the truth today? Amen. How many want to bear fruit that's truth? Amen. I want the worship team to come and I want to ask, ask you to stand with me. And I want all the prayer team members together at the back of the church and at the front. So when you hear something on the news that you know doesn't line up with God's Word, when you hear something from someone who's around you and they begin to speak, and you know that's not the truth, you know it's the error, don't just ignore it. Begin to do spiritual battle. Begin to pray. Lord, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would just begin to convict them of that error in their life. That You would set them free and let them see the truth and begin to operate 
in the spirit of truth. And that the truth would set them free. Amen. So the, the point is, when we hear these silly, ridiculous things being spoken and, and, and our government is trying to put them uh, into law, recognize the spirit of error and begin to pray that the spiritual truth would open their eyes. We need a mighty move of God. We need for the spirit of truth to sweep across our, our nation. And we are, the, we are the ones that are going to bring it about in the sense that we have to pray. God, we want the spirit of truth to be evident in our lives. Lord, don't let me. Did you get that last verse that Jesus said that I quoted a minute ago? He said about the very elect could be deceived if those days weren't shortened. Deception is something that we shouldn't tolerate. Deception is something that we should fight with all of our heart. Remember that greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Another thing in that verse, it said that because they would be deceived because of signs and wonders. In church, listen to this. The only way that the elect, that's talking about born-again believers, it said the only way they can be deceived is by those miracles, signs, and wonders. And the only way that could take place is if the believers are seeing the genuine article. Are you with me? The days of signs and wonders cannot be over because that wouldn't, those counterfeit signs deceiving people would not be possible. And so church, we need to press in and pray and believe God for healings and miracles. Believe Him to move. Believe Him for signs and wonders. And at the same time say, Lord, make sure I'm walking in truth. That I know the truth. Lord, that I'm not deceived just because I see or experience a miracle. Amen. That's a whole other message, but I just had to get that in before we close. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we just thank You for this day. We thank You, Lord, that You are truth, Lord. That we live in a world where the spirit of error is everywhere around us. But Lord, You've promised us that greater is He who's in us than He who's in the world. Lord, You've promised us that we can know the truth, that the truth sets us free. And Lord, that through our lives, we can manifest the truth of Jesus Christ by not only our speech, but by the actions that we live out every day. Lord, I pray that we would be those peculiar people, that the world would notice that we don't think like the world and we don't act like the world, that we love like Jesus that we respond like you, Lord. And Lord, I just agree with everyone in this building right now. And Lord, I pray 
that you would do whatever it takes to lift that spirit of error from our nation and bring us into the truth of Jesus. Lord, do away with the spirit of error in our government. Lord, open the eyes of our leadership and let them see the truth of your gospel. Experience the truth of Jesus. Lord, we want the truth. And you are the truth. And Lord, we just thank you and we praise you today. And we ask it in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.